When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fish Stripes Unfiltered, episode 24. Before we introduce our special guest, uh, my co-host, Isaac Zoot, my good friend, Isaac, how are you? Uh, just a couple days away from the trade deadline. How are we feeling? How, what are the vibes going into that August 2nd trade deadline? Very excited. You know, very excited about our special guest today. And it's it's peculiar times around the Marlin stratosphere. Well, our, our guest today, he is... Part of the Swings and Mishes podcast, Sports Grid, Craig Mish, a good friend as well. A neighbor in the press box. Craig, how are you and how are you feeling about these upcoming days? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. It's been a while since we have all caught up. You know, certainly it's been an interesting season to say the least. But here we are a few days away from the trade deadline. And I'm sure that's what we're going to focus in on a lot. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely excited to to have that day come to kind of see where things are going forward. There's that's for sure. Before I get into that, I just want to ask you how your trip to LA went with the all-star game and how many autographs did Hayes get? It was fantastic. You know, we hadn't gone anywhere since 2019. I wasn't, I had not been on a plane since 2019. We just were on the, we were always been on the safer side of things just for, that's just who we are. And so my, I went, my wife went, my daughter went and I brought my son Hayes, who I talk about a lot. And so, um, you know, Major League Baseball was very kind. We ended up going to uh, Home Run Derby All-Star Game Futures Game and and even got there last uh, the Friday before. So we went to all the Fan Fest. Uh, it's called Play Ball Park now, but we went to Play Ball Park. So we went to all that those festivities. But a lot of highlights, Kevin, a lot of highlights. Uh, as far as autographs go, so he got uh, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Sr., um, uh, Edgar Martinez, both Hall of Famers, Lee Smith, Raleigh mm-hmm. Fingers, mm-hmm. Ferguson Jenkins. So he got all those. And then he uh, and then there were some others along the way, too. But then at the end for uh, we, we, you know, we didn't sit in our seats. Our seats were just, you know, I mean, no, no fault of anyone's. It's just to get it in the door. You just got to take whatever you can. But I'm very resourceful. So we figured out a way to sit in, in better seats for both events. Um, home run derby. I don't know if you guys saw this, but we caught a home run ball yeah, from Juan yeah. Soto. Juan Soto hit a home run. We caught one. It was awesome. And then the night of the All Star game, as we it was like seventh inning, eighth inning, my son met Magic Johnson, which was also super cool. And then really the highlight of them all was meeting Jason Bateman. We met Jason Bateman, and he's oh, wow. Jason Bateman too. So that was and and no one knew who he was. It's like I guess I just have an eye for those things. So that was a really cool experience too. So meeting all those celebrities and seeing all them, and he was like in the midst of it. So thanks for asking about that. It was fun. Yeah, it did sound very fun. So let's get right into the Marlins. Uh, looking at that 2022 season, Craig, is this what you expected out of them? Is this what was expected and how have they met your expectations? You know, I, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not as, 
I'm not as negative on the whole season as I think that some other people are. I, I guess at the end of the year, they're trending toward being probably nine or ten games under. So, I mean, I, I think that's not what people expect, but we have to wait to see if that ends up being the case. So right now they're five under. I, I don't think their trajectory points toward them being 500, but I don't think that there's any reason why they can't be close, especially if John Birdie comes back and Lazardo comes back and Edward Cabrera, I'm not sure, but those first two that I mentioned, if, if those two come back, I think that definitely adds a lot to the team. And the other thing that I've mentioned so many times, and I think it's probably the reason why the season feels so bad is because it feels like they could have won so many, and they could have lost too, but it feels like they could have won so many games because every game in the ninth inning, you just have no idea if they're going to win or lose. Like they're up one or they're down one or they're up two or they're down two. And because of that, I think it's made the season more compelling and more fun because you literally can't turn the game off in the fifth inning. And obviously part of that is because of the offense, and I, and, I, and I get that. So I think their fan graphs number was around 77 and a half or 78. And you know what? They're going to probably be like right around there. So I'm not crushed by any means. I think that the season's been okay, but very clearly – Next year, I mean, my gosh, like six years in, it, next year's got to be a pretty big jump, I would say. So I guess it's safe to say that the team had higher expectations for themselves. You know, obviously us and Fangrass, they sort of knew that this was a 77, maybe an 81 team, but nowhere near a playoff contending team. With that being said, they're only four and a half out. But like you said, they're they're trending towards, you know, maybe a 10 game under 500 team. The, the consensus is that they're going to be sellers. How much selling do you see them doing? Is it going to be like 2019 where they sort of, you know, mix and match and be better next year, or will it be a little bit more of a sell-off? Right. So there's, there's a few things, there's a few things that I would say that, that, that I, that I think are important. And, and by the way, this is no indictment on anybody's reporting or, or mine or even anyone else, but I'm pretty comfortable saying at this point that nobody has a clue. I know that's not what you guys want to hear, but I, I don't think anybody truly knows their plan because I don't think that they have fully decided on their plan right now. I genuinely don't think that they have. There is a part of them, I feel, that they feel, which is accurate, that like realistically speaking, they're waking up every morning and they're looking at the standings and St. Louis loses and Philadelphia loses. And it's like, even though the team is decimated, it's like we're four and a half games under or five or I'm sorry, four and a half games back or five games back. How do we just take apart this team right now when we're this close? Anything can happen. It's baseball. So that's yeah. one school of thought. And, and, and I think that you have to respect that a little bit. But I do think that there is the other school of thought, which is August 2nd comes and you sort of play that what if game. We can stay close, maybe. And then now all of a sudden St. Louis adds and all of a sudden Philadelphia adds and all of a sudden the Giants add. And now you look at the schedule and you have the toughest schedule in baseball in August. And here we were thinking that we had a chance and kind of playing that game. And now it's too late. We didn't trade the guys that we could have. So with all those things being said, I think that the expiring contract players are extremely likely to go in one way or the other. I think that that is I, I think that is a very strong possibility. We've been over these names. I'm sure we'll do it again. But I, I really do think that they see that. And then it does remain to be seen amongst the other things. But I, I think most people know by now, if I have something, I'm happy to tell everybody everything that I know. There are some things that I have not said publicly that I do know. But again, you know, potentially damaging, not knowing if deals are going to happen or not. But as always, when it's all over, 
I always take care of everybody and tell everybody here's worth some of the things that they were thinking. Here are some of the things that they were doing. So that's, I, I, I'm going to go by that again here at this deadline. Well, so I guess a question that would be germane, no matter what they end up doing would be, okay, center field. They haven't had one since Starling Marte. Mm-hmm. Do they, two questions, I guess would be one, do they see Blade? you know, JG's come up, he's looked okay. Do they see Blade as that guy or would they prefer him in one of the corners where he is more comfortable in, you know, let's be honest, he's not a, he's not a bona fide center fielder. Right. And two, obviously, I, we have to ask about the, the the pirate center fielder. He did come back sure. from that oblique injury a lot quicker than than most of us thought. So now maybe did that scare the pirates into saying, "Oh shit, we better we better move him," or are they are they holding still on their position to keep their center fielder? Yeah, I I, th- I think I think I'll probably be forgetting somebody, but I think in a perfect world for them, they would have. I mean, I mean let's let's just you know call it what it is. They would have Avisil Garcia in right field provided he's the guy that they thought he was, right? Like, so he would play right field. They would have a elite-type center fielder at this point. The Sanchez thing did not work out both offensively and defensively. And I think that when they, at the end of the season or next year, when they look back, they're going to say that Sanchez disappointed them offensively and they were just totally wrong defensively. I think that that is something that they'll end up saying, hey, like, that was just a misfire. We thought he could play center and he cannot. And then I think left field is where Bladé plays. So um, I think that's the key. And so I, I do think that provided Solaire doesn't opt out and he comes back, I think he's the full-time designated hitter in, in 2023. And, and I think that that would probably be the best position for him. He's definitely played better, Isaac, and left than maybe they thought. But let, let's, yeah. you know, let's call it what it is. He probably should not be playing every day in left field also. And so that that's kind of the way that I see it. But to answer your question, the long way, I don't I don't think that Blade is the long term center fielder, but he can play center very clearly. Yeah. And I think they'd like to play him in left or right. Yeah, and I would have to agree with that. And I'll follow up with one more name that I just have heard rumblings about, which I don't think is realistic at all, just because of the arbitration price. The Dodgers trading maybe a Cody Bellinger guy. It would solve two needs: a left-handed bat, power bat, and a center fielder. Is that something you've heard any rumblings on? You know, I mentioned it on one of my shows, his name the other day, because only because the Dodgers tend to get a little crazy at the deadline. They tend to do things that you really don't expect. So I haven't heard that, but it wouldn't surprise me. Remember, this is a team that acquired Manny Machado, mm-hmm. you Darvish, and Max Scherzer back to back to back, something along those lines. So you can only expect that come next week, the Dodgers are going to do something insane. And, and people forget that they got Scherzer last year, right? Like, we don't even remember that they got arguably one of the best pitchers in baseball to try to win the World Series. So I fully expect them to do something insane. But I don't know if that is trading Bellinger or getting someone else. I, I just, I don't know. I, I haven't heard that, though, Isaac. Craig, you mentioned, we mentioned a little bit of the veterans um, that could possibly be dealt. You know, what is one name that you could kind of tell us that won't be on, in Miami Marlins? after that trade deadline. So on August 3rd, who was one name that wouldn't be a Marlin? Yeah. I mean, I can't say anyone for sure because that's not, you never know how things happen. And then Kevin, you know, a guy gets hurt tomorrow and that like changes everything. So you just, you just don't know. But if I had to guess and take, you know, an opinion just based on from what I understand is I think that in some way or another, whether it's via trade and probably most likely via trade, but via trade or DFA and then trade, I, I think Jesus Aguilar's uh, last days are coming here uh, with the Marlins. You got to show love to me. He was their most valuable player in 2021. 
He was the one guy in 2021 when the Marlins needed a hit, gave him a hit every single time. He was their most clutch player. He was on pace to drive in 100 runs. Even after Adam Duvall left, he didn't really have a lot of lineup protection, and he was still really good. Maybe what can happen is what happened with him in Milwaukee and Tampa, which is he fell off a little. Some team came in, and he got revitalized. And, and honestly, a great pickup for the Marlins. Cost them nothing. Yeah. But a player maybe they could have sold high on last year, you know, figured out some things. They, were, they, were, they did not choose to do that. And and I and I think that August the second, either a trade or or something else. I think they got to take a look and see what Lewin Diaz can do. And and by the way, I mean I may be wrong on him too. He has not hit at all in, in the big leagues, like at all. So um, I know he almost hit a home run the other day, but let, let's be real. <laughs> let's be real. He hasn't hit. So he he they got he they got to see if this guy is something. I think at some point. Yeah, it was a ball to the right field wall in um in that red ball part, which you know it's pretty easy to hit it out. Um, yeah, I guess yeah. so close. Oh, so close. Yeah. If you can't yeah. hit a ball out there, where are you gonna hit a ball out of? Please. Right. Definitely not at Lone Deep. I guess that transitions me into you know your boy. The guy he's a little banged up right now. Garrett Cooper. You mentioned Solaire. Would you'd figure would be the DH next season? Cooper has been one of, if not the best, pure hitters on this Marlins team since he's been here since 2018. Almost you'd think. All-star for the first time. Congrats to him on that. Yeah. Where do you see him playing? I know the Dodgers expressed interest in him. I don't know how much value he would have, and would it be smart for Miami to even part with one of their best offensive guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess they have to ask themselves the question that if what I'm saying is accurate and they and they decide at some point to trade or move on from Aguilar, his con- Aguilar's contract is up. So very clearly, I don't think he's going to be re-signed. So that so that's, you know leads me to that path. Now, if they do the same with Cooper, then now we have to start talking about 2023. And and while Cooper's overall numbers dipped a lot in July, and he's I think he's going through the worst stretch of his career, if I'm not mistaken, in July too. Yep. Where's the replacement there now all of a sudden? Is it just that simple that they could get another first baseman or DH to play every day? Maybe you guys think so. I'm not sure. The, the one thing that you know about Cooper which is is sort of like Wendell, I think, to a degree, and I think the Marlins recognize this too, is they simply don't have a lot of guys in the lineup when they come up that are going to be up there for 30 seconds. You know, it's like this guy is going to take a pitch and, and foul one off and take a pitch, and there's like an at-bat happens when Garrett Cooper is at the plate. Sometimes it ends in a hit or a double. Sometimes it ends in a strikeout. But they, they have to, to compile some some players in a lineup that are going to give you some good at-bats. They only have two or three of those guys. The other guys are like strike one, ball one, strike two, strike three, goodbye. You know, And, and I think that's what they have to weigh. If they, if they have someone in the minors that they feel, maybe it's Girard Encarnacion or somewhere else, that they compare with Lewin Diaz and they feel it's time to move on from Cooper. He made the All-Star team and sell high. Maybe so. If I had to predict, I think Cooper is back with the Marlins and I don't think he's traded next week. I wanted to ask you about the other big name that has been been, been mentioned, and the one that just pitched last night against the Cardinals had a he tied yeah. his career high for 11Ks. Pablo Lopez, uh, what what are you hearing on Pablo's possibility of being dealt in this deadline, and what are some teams that may have interest in Pablo Lopez? It, it's they've gotten a lot of interest. I'm sure that everybody knows that. It doesn't it you know doesn't take a genius to to know that or understand it. So this it's very complicated with the deadline and with a player like Lopez because he helps you for the he helps you now he helps you for the future, 
but it, it's it's tough because we're right back where we were in April again with him. I would make the argument that the highest, in, if we're just talking trade value for a player, because let's be clear, I don't think they're going to extend Pablo Lopez. It, there's been no conversation about it. For him, if I was him, would I want to be extended at this point? I am so close to free agency. I'm a high-end pitcher in Major League Baseball. I want to see this through. My understanding is there's been no discussion as far as that. They extended Sandy. That's the only one for the time being that's going to happen with. So outside of that April where he was pitcher of the month, will will he ever be better than the, where we sit right now? I think you have to ask yourself that question. That was a tough ballpark, a pretty good lineup, and he pitched in front of more people advanced scouting for him than he ever will have been. One, two. Instead, he blows him away with a fastball up. Pablo Lopez matches a career high with 11 strikeouts. So what do they do? So what do they do? Do, do they do they keep them? Do they just you know roll the dice that you know June and July with Pablo are, are not going to be in August and September? And he's already reached his innings limit. I, I don't know. I don't envy the seat that Kim is in right now having to make this decision. But if you're asking me what I think, I think they were going to trade him. I do think they're going to trade him before next week. This is my opinion only. This does not come from fact. I can say right now I don't think that they have any deal close at all. But I do think that that a trade will come for uh, with him on Tuesday. I don't. It's just a gut a gut feeling that I have right now that they they're taking a very big risk by by not doing it. So. That's that's where I stand. I think that'll be the, the big deal that they make. But again, opinion only on that. Yeah. Well, Craig, this kind of my read on the Marlins when it comes to this is that they're just so confident in their pitching development that they recognize Sandy is unique and that he was a guy worth right. paying to stick around. But they're probably not going to give out a second big deal to any other pitcher because they feel so confident in being able to turn out guys that can feel 80 percent, 90 percent of Pablo's shoes. And I think time will only tell whether that like confidence is justified. For me, I, I, I'm not a fan of it. I feel like Pablo is being taken for granted. The fact that he's been mm -hmm. so good now, really three straight years, whenever he's been healthy, that being the big caveat, That's a big part of it. That's yeah. a big part of it. Yeah, but but I would say, I mean, I mean, Eli, I mean, so, some of this does have to be the forward thinking point of view. And again, I and and this is again, it's just coming from me. Like, if you're a scout for the White Sox, the Twins, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Padres, I'm trying to think of any, there's about eight teams. If, if, if you're a scout of, of any of those teams and you're watching Pablo Lopez pitch and he comes out of the game and you close your eyes, you can see that guy pitching Game 7 of the World Series that I watched right there. What team would not unload to get that guy to win it all? I can make the case he's better than Luis Castillo. I mean, I really can. But that's that's the dynamic of advanced scouting. That that person who is there now goes back and they huddle up in their war room in the trade deadline, and that person is pounding on the table like Moneyball. We got to get this Pablo Lopez. Like, I saw this guy pitch. This guy is incredible. And then they go through it, Eli, and they're like, oh, he's only, you know, he's a guy's only throwing 110 innings? Wait, wait a second here. If he's so good, how has he not gotten to 150 innings in a major league baseball season? It's not like he's, he just came in the league. He's been around for a while. Yeah. And, and these are all, and then the Marlins have to decide, well, what if he is going to be healthy for the next, completely healthy for the next two years? So, I mean, I personally, I don't know that I agree with no other pitcher will be extended long-term. And I don't know that I agree that they could just wave a magic wand over every pitcher that comes into the organization. But when you look at the depth, 
and you see that Jake Eater, who they think is going to be a star, like Max Meyer in a way, is going to be ready for spring training to throw 100 innings next year, maybe a little bit more. They still very much believe in Jesus Lazardo, like, and that guy is coming too. Edward Cabrera, difference of opinion on, on, on him in a lot of different ways. But when he has pitched, he has looked really good too. They have found a way to make Braxton Garrett viable, which we never thought uh, would have happened. So and Brian Hoeing could probably come up and be a fifth starter on any on any team in Major League Baseball. This guy's going to pitch to contact. This guy's going to be a horse. He's going to throw 150 innings. His ERA is going to be four. He's going to win eight games, right? Like they have so many of these guys, they, they can't just keep sitting back and saying, "Oh, we'll, we'll you know we'll try free agency." We'll try. They they have to be bold, I think, and they have to do something now. Whether it's Lopez, as I said last night, or anyone else, to go into next year. It, uh, the way that they're constructed now, I think is an impossibility. And I think that they think it's an impossibility. I guess my follow-up uh, sort of correlates with um, with Eli's question, because if they do do something bold and trade a Pablo Lopez, it, you'd, you'd assume it's to a contender, and you'd assume that that contender doesn't want to, you know, lose their offensive impact. What kind of return would, they, would the Marlins be looking for in a Pablo Lopez trade? Are they looking for major league-ready bats in the minor leagues? Are they looking for a major league or, you know, someone that's already – Perform in the major leagues. What exactly would they be looking for? That would say, okay, we're we're okay with trading Pablo. Yeah, I, I don't know that it necessarily has to be someone that is a current center fielder in Major League Baseball. I, I don't think that that has to be the case, but I think it's probably somebody on the cusp again. And I know that that could bring back some bad vibes for people. It's like, oh, didn't we go through this with Louis Brinson and some other guys? And I understand that, but at some point. You got to put, I mean, it's cliche, but you got to, but Isaac, you got to put your chips on the table again and you got to try it again. And I know that there, you know, some people would be very cynical. Oh my gosh, they got this player. He's in AAA. He's got 16 home runs he's on bases, three, 35%. He's going to come to Miami. He's not going to be good. Yeah. I mean, you can think all those things, but they got to keep trying. Like, I, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say about it. Would they, I, I think that if Brian, I mean, Brian Rail has not been traded. So if, if Brian, I've told people this, if Brian Reynolds is traded ever, I think he's on the Marlins, but they just refuse to trade him. That, that's, that's what's going on. But, but if they do, I think he's on the Marlins. They, it's, a, it's not a doable trade for them with, with what they've been in the past asked for. I don't know if anything's current or not. So what would their lineup look with Reynolds in center field with another hitter coming in a deal for Pablo Lopez? I mean, then you're talking Blade in left field. If Avisel Garcia works out in right field, Jesus Sanchez against righties forever and ever, and no more against lefties, right? <laughs> like in the outfield, like there, there are there are some pieces and plans for them. So, or thir a third baseman in a trade, a shortstop maybe in a trade, like all all these things. They have so many places to fill. This my concern is is that can they even do this in the off season, right? Can they get all those pieces filled? I just don't know. So, I think some of it has to start now. All of the, the columns that you're reading on MLB.com and The Athletic. And, I mean, you pick your pick your most respected uh, column right now. And and, and Jeff Pass and ESPN. Uh, pick your most respected columnist and the person who you trust the most nationally. And there's almost no mention of the Marlins. Right? There's almost nothing. It's, it's just Pablo Lopez, Pablo Lopez, Pablo Lopez, Pablo Lopez. Right? And there's a reason. Because nobody knows right now. Because they're not 100% sure on what to do. They will be very shortly. But mm -hmm. as of right now, they have a path, they have an idea, but until that gets executed and the, and the calls come in and they're going back and forth, 
that's where I step in yeah. <laughs> at that point, and that's where I'm able to. But it, it just hasn't happened yet. Nothing has been serious. I really hope they don't let these games with the Reds, you know, sort of change the direction that they should be going in. Because I think I'm, I'm with you that you, no matter how close they are, they're not better than the Giants, in my opinion. They're not better than the Phillies, in my opinion. So no, but they, but they can't make trades. Everyone wants everybody gone. I get it, but they can't make trades that are going to hurt them next season. Like they have Correct. to be very careful of that. So, like you mentioned, Cooper, no problem. Trade Garrett Cooper. But it's not that easy. Like, who's coming back? Like, now all of a sudden they got to fill that position too. It's it's very tricky with what they have to do because they, and they also have to keep that that FanGraphs two percent semblance alive. That hey, we're still and in the thing, and if we just just completely punt, what does that show? We had no faith whatsoever in the guys that we signed. We don't think that we can win, even though we're four games out. Like, they, there are some things that they can and can't do. That could change. And and I know it sounds crazy. I didn't even want to think this, but you know, lose to the Reds, you lose to the Reds again, lose to the Mets. It's much easier, right? On Tuesday next week, it's like, oh, we're done for sure. So it's like I, I personally hope for them that there's more clarity, that they're either like right there a game out or they're just completely out of it. But look, I'm looking at the same lineups as you guys. Like it's it's hard to look at this and say like they really have a chance. Yeah, yeah, Craig, Craig, it's not only about the standings. It's about, as you said, the available players. They have 16 guys on the IL at the same time. And a lot of them are not really that close to coming back. There are a few, like Lazardo is almost back. And I guess Anthony Bender is almost back and Cooper will right. be back soon enough. But it's a lot of rotation depth. It's still half of their lineup that uh, you just that weren't playing it, it, well it when is. they were healthy. And then you it, don't it know is. when they're coming back. It is. But Eli, and Eli, you're 100% right. And they have not done this with me, but I will play their side of it just just for devil's advocate, right? What they would say, uh, they have not said this to me, I want to be clear, is they would say, Eli, did, did you watch the 2020 season when we had 21 guys on COVID and we ended up making the postseason in two months? Like, they could use that realistically and say, anything can happen. It's baseball. Mm -hmm. I understand it, and I don't believe it either. But you, 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 have, to, at the, you have to give a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that if you had no idea who was on the team and you had no idea who was on the injured list, and I told you that on the 27th of July, the Marlins were four and a half games out, we universally would be saying they had a good year. You you would be absolutely saying they had a good season. When realistically, we know that it hasn't gone exactly the way that they thought. But your point is well taken. Too many guys out right now to think that they could win the World Series. I mean, come on. I mean, it's ridiculous. I agree. Well, I want to ask you, know, the availability of players is something that's been also been going all over Marlon's Twitter. Is the one guy in AAA Jackson who has just been hitting, hits lefties. Miami's the worst team in all of Major League Baseball against hitting lefties. One of them's Gerard. The other one is Charles LeBlanc. Yeah. They, they, they swear they're going with Astudio and Luke Williams at second and third, respectively, is the way to go. I don't know how they do it. This is late July. They're four and a half games out, but they're going with these guys. Why? Because they're just not huge believers in Charles LeBlanc. I don't know what else to tell you. This is the same situation last year with Bryson Brigman. They, you know, no offense to those players. They're probably going to go on to have major league careers, whether it's with the Marlins or somewhere else. But they don't believe in them like you guys do. And that's, and, and there's, it's just a simple recipe right there. I, you know, obviously, if they believed that those players were going to come up and help and help them win, they would be called up. Crack towards left field. That is an absolute bomb. It's out of here. Charles LeBlanc hit one halfway up the berm. They don't believe in it. 
I'm not saying they don't like the players. They just don't believe that they can. So when, when I said this about Bryson Brigman last year, you know what happened? Oh, my gosh. Everybody's like, oh, wow. They don't know what they're doing. Brigman's good. And maybe he is. And we just don't know. This is the same thing with Charles LeBlanc. Put him in the same category going right now. Craig, there was a report by John Heyman that said Marlon stance, everyone's available but Sandy. Is there any I assume it's because he's injured, but is there any reason why Jazz wasn't mentioned along with Sandy as possibly an untouchable there? I, I don't comment on other people's reporting oh. and and I know John real well, Isaac. He also followed up with a different tweet 30 minutes later. You may, you know, add that to the puzzle, which basically said that, you know, I, I mean I, I don't know. Uh Again, listening on guys, yes, they're listening on guys. Trading guys is a different story. If Jazz was going to be tra- – if if he, if they were going to trade Jazz, it certainly wouldn't be now. The guy's out for the year and cannot help anyone. So, Or technically not out for the year, but he could be out for the year and and is l- unlikely to help anyone. So why would if, – if they were going to make a bold move like that, that to me is a winner move. So, again – Everybody has their own source of reporting and their own way of doing things. The last couple of years, I personally have chosen that unless I really feel strongly about something that I can double, triple source, that I feel like is close, that's when I'm jumping in at this point because I don't get paid to do the other stuff anymore. So I'm, I can't consume myself with being on uh, on social media 15 hours a day. Can't do it. The only other two players I wanted to ask you about were about Stephen Okert and Anthony Bass. What's been the latest on those guys? Because two relievers that are probably one of the better ones on the market, along with Bednar and possibly some of the Detroit Tigers guys. So what is, you know, what would you say is the latest on uh, Bass and Oker possibly getting dealt? Along, along with me, me believing that, along with me believing that Aguilar is a potential candidate to be traded or go, or go along with me believing that Pablo Lopez will be traded. I do believe Anthony Bass has a good shot to go somewhere else. He's had a fantastic year. And, uh, you know, the Marlins give them a lot of credit for finding the niche there of putting him in the seventh. I, I really don't know what they're doing now with the ninth. Like this, this to me has me totally perplexed because I, I thought they were going to give re-give Bass a shot to close games. And, and the game that he blew the other day, like, I mean, I guess partially it was his fault, but I don't know. Does he blow that game? If that error doesn't happen, I'm mm-hmm. not sure. So, so he has an option for next season. As I, and as I mentioned in the Herald, now you have to start thinking about payroll. So they, so they have an option on Bass for next year, which is $3 million, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm yeah. wrong on that. Yeah, and, right. And so on a Marlins payroll, that's probably going to be, if we had to guess, best case scenario, what, 20th in the big leagues, 21st in the big leagues, somewhere along those lines. Can the Marlins, can the Marlins pay a seventh inning guy $3 million? The answer is unlikely. They like the guys who are coming behind him. Uh, Simpson, Nardi, those are two names to watch. So Okert becomes a possibility as well. I do think they'll trade Anthony Bass. You just touched on something very quickly uh, that I was wondering about, which is the payroll, because even that's not just an off-season thing. That is a current deadline decision thing. When you talk about who they might trade for, what players under contract they might acquire, it's like with you have to understand exactly what budget you're going to be working with next year right. and the year beyond. And, and so it sounds like, your, your expectation is that the payroll is going to stay sort of where it is this year, which is what, like 25th, 24th in the big leagues, like 80-ish million? Or is there any hope that they bump that up a little bit, considering that life is back to normal in a lot of ways? And there are people know how much revenue this organization is taking in, even if they cry poor. 
Right. So I think I, I just said that like 20th, 21st, I think that that's fair. So yeah, I do think that a bump will come, but I don't ever think they're going to be in the top 10 or anything like that. And, and their, their ticket sales and their attendance represents that number. So right. I, 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 I think they're going to be better representative than their ticket sales in terms of payroll. I don't think they'll be 29th anymore or 28th anymore. But, you know, 22nd, Eli, probably 23rd, somewhere along those lines, a, a bump uh, of some kind. And again, just through arbitration and depending on what happens with Lopez, if they bring Lopez back, that's a huge bump. Cooper's going to get a bump. If they have Anderson back, he gets a bump, too. And I know there's some offset there with Aguilar. But I, I just I, I think that they're going to have to add some salary to, to be more competitive for sure. Yeah, well, I think unless Kevin, I think you had one more thing. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, my thing's not working. But I wanted to ask you, went, you, you went with dark. Miggy getting you went dark there, Kevin. I, I went dark. Yeah. So yeah. with Miggy getting I think over after over reporting, Max Meyer had Tommy John before he did. I think that they kicked you off. That's what. Oh I, my god, you saw that? <laughs> oh, you saw that? <laughs> well, actually, that. Oh, I'm sorry, Kevin. That was that was the next thing. Any update? Oh, on... I brought that up. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. Any update on Max Meyer? Uh, just. Talk I to think you me. guys know the outcome there. Uh, okay. About Does that change anything in the Marlins' eyes? You know about? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Again, they they think very highly of Jake Eater. They think very highly of Jesus Lazardo, regardless of how you want or I want to feel about Jesus Lazardo. Um, they they really do, not just in from a development point of view. They do have enough pitching. To maintain, I, I I personally think that they do. And the other thing too that, that I always find interesting is like five starters, five starters, five starters. Like the fifth starter on even some of the better teams in Major League Baseball is a league average pitcher, and they always are going to have an above average pitcher there. So, uh, no, I, I don't think that the Meyer uh, thing is is uh, is relevant in, in the discussion. It just is one less guy that they have. But obviously, I feel horrible for him. I mean, it's. it's it's like, there's now there's like four or five guys on this team that have really sustained that injury. You know, it's Meyer, it's Eater, it's Braxton, it's Luzardo. If it were me, I would be a little bit, you know, concerned. And that whole 2020 draft you've you've traded, or and now two of them have had, you know, are going to be injured for a while. Two of them have been traded. It's it's interesting how that they were so excited about that draft of six pitchers. Dax Fulton, I think too. So no, I I I, th I really again. <laughs> I think that, and, and they drafted uh, pitchers again, and uh, the the third round pick that they got this year in particular is the one I think that's worth watching for the future, at least my understanding on that. But I I, I do I, I think that they they've got an, enough. And they never Mike Hill always said you can never have enough pitching. He's right mm -hmm. because you know here they here they were in July with an opener again and starting their ninth starter again, and that's that's always going to be true of every team. But th there comes a point where if you're only going to score one or two runs a game every single game, it's really hard to put on the face and say, hey, we can hit because they just haven't done it. Kevin, uh, Craig, I wanted to ask you about what the future at shortstop could look like because Miggy's getting a little older as we go. Have, have they looked into a possible future young controllable shortstop or what, what would be the word on that? Yeah, I just I, I really haven't heard anything along those lines yet. So uh, your your guess is as good as mine. They certainly could make a move in the off season. They can make a move next week, but they have not tipped their hand as far as uh, where they're going to go there. The one thing that I would just emphasize is the expiring contracts. I mean, I think we're pretty clear now 
at this point that those that they, that they recognize in the position that they're in with those players not being re-signed that there's a chance that those guys go. I think Miguel Rojas has a has a contract for next year, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. too. So that's part of any conversation that would happen. Another team would have to make a decision on that as well. I see Blyer here. I have not heard Blyer's name brought up um, oh, really? at all. Uh, that was a that was a strange extension. Obviously, it's you know hindsight is always twenty twenty, but uh, that seemed like a strange one given his age and type of pitcher he is. But I think that's about where we ended. There's one question from Twitter that we just mm-hmm. felt the need to ask. You know, from your from your good friend Alex Ferrer. Oh, we chose, we, we chose one of the two. We're gonna go with question number two. You have to rank these pizza styles in order. Okay. New York, mm-hmm. Detroit, Chicago deep dish, and Chicago thin, one to four. What uh, Detroit is not something I'm familiar with. I've yeah. never had. What, can yeah, you guys familiarize me with that? Yeah. Or no? no comment. No idea. Okay, so so my favorite square. square, square, square. Okay, so my favorite pizza in South Florida. And I've lived here long enough to have seen the place open in the 70s, I think. I was very young, but then in the 80s, eating there for sure, is a place in North Miami called Steve's Pizza. Steve's Pizza is New York-style pizza, and to me, it still is at the top of, of all the pizza that I've tried here in South Florida. So that so, so New York-style would be number one. There, When I lived... In I lived in Sarasota, Florida, for almost three years, and there was a place called Krusty Louis that was owned by people who came from Chicago. The west coast of Florida has a lot of people from Ohio, from the Midwest, that they come down for vacation. They end up living there, and this family ended up, you know, starting a pizza joint there. It was called Krusty Louis, and they had unbelievable Chicago-style pizza. So I would say that that is number two. And then what were the other options? Because Detroit was not one. So the other one was Thin Chicago. I don't even know what that would be. So the first, the first crust, two are the, ones, are the ones for me. Okay. Yeah. Well, there, there's, your, there's your answer, Alex. So we'll wrap it up here. Craig, thank you so much for coming on. We very much appreciate it. Eli, thanks for being on with us. Isaac, as always, thank you for being here. We'll wrap it up right here from... From Craig, from Eli, from Isaac, and from myself. We'll see you guys all. Noah, my name is Noah. It says Noah. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Noah Burger. We'll see you guys all. We'll see you guys in two weeks after the trade deadline. Peace out, guys. Craig Cole.